0: We studied how microorganisms influence the brain and the development of the brain. Since doing after doing that work, I've since started a position as a senior scientist, small biotech company called In Vivo Biosystems. It's been understood pretty well, you know, more recently that the community of microorganisms that lives on us and in us and around us influences biology
1: or
2: he was a senior scientist at in Vivo Biosystems. We're going to talk about a possible gut-brain connection and social development. So uh, we'll get into more Joseph's bio and uh, do his intro now. So Joseph, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. If you would, tell me a bit about your scientific career and, uh, and where you're at today, and then we'll get into some questions on your research.
0: Sure. I, I suppose I started out in science really being interested in things like parasites and viruses because creatures like that. Tell you a lot about kind of basic cell biology and you know how human biology works and they're just very interesting and so I started out interested and did a little bit of work in those fields and then went to get my PhD in cell biology and uh, found a love for neuroscience so in graduate school I, I suppose became a neuroscientist and after that I looked to combine my interests both in microorganisms like viruses and bacteria and the nervous system. And I was able to do that in the labs of, as a postdoctoral researcher, in the labs of Judith Eisen and Phil Washburn at the University of Oregon, where we studied how microorganisms influence the brain and the development of the brain. Since, since doing, after doing that work, I've since started a position as a senior scientist, small biotech company
2: called In Vivo Biosystems. So what were some of the research questions that you were involved in researching that that gave you some insight into the microbiome and social development in people?
0: Yeah. So we were really interested in, well, I guess I should back up. So it's been understood pretty well, you know, more recently that the community of microorganisms that lives on us and in us and around us influences biology or, you know, any host's biology but especially when it comes to the brain it's been pretty unclear how exactly that works you know how how microorganisms communicate with the brain especially during early development and so that's the basic question that we set out to answer it is to to reveal some of the you know what's often called mechanism real which is really just more detail into into how microbes send signals to the brain to to influence
2: Okay. So what, what models did you use? Humans, mice, and you know, what kind of experimentation was done?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So all of our studies were carried out in a model vertebrate called zebrafish. So it's a little aquarium fish that you've probably seen at your local pet store, but they're one of the, the most popular model organisms used for research around the world. Um, I can get into why that is if, if, if you'd like, but, uh, there, there's a lot of advantages of using zebrafish to answer kind of fundamental questions like this.
2: Okay, you use zebrafish. What, um, again, what, what kind of experimentation was done and what did you find out that was interesting to you?
0: Yeah, so the basic, the, there's, there's a number of things, but our basic, the, the manipulation that we started with is that we took fish and we made them germ-free. So we, we removed all of their normal microbes very early in life. And then we looked to see how that affected both their behavior and their brain development. So one of our early findings was that when you do that manipulation, that the fish don't do their typical social behavior the way that they do if they have the microbes. And then, kind of investigating how or why that's the case, we discovered that that it's because the those microbes are required for Neurons in the fish's brain that normally regulate social behavior to develop properly.
2: Okay, so the microbiome was was altering how what their their nervous system and their brain was literally growing. What uh, in vitro there before they were born, or at what point did you study the you know the zebrafish?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So early in development. So one advantage of fish as a model is that you know, mama fish lays them as eggs, right? And all of the development happens outside of mom. Whereas if you're trying to do studies like this in a human or, or in a mouse, a lot of that early ring development are happening in utero uh-huh. uh, and it's very difficult to study. So manipulating the microbiome yeah. from the minute that the the eggs are laid. So those fish are never exposed to, to their normal microbe. And then the developmental effects that we were observing in the brain those are things that were happening within the first week of the fish's development. So that would be, you know, equivalent to, you know, something like a, you know, a mouse bore, a, you know, a toddler. It's hard. It's hard to make the kind of extrapolate fish development exactly to a human mm-hmm. early development is the point.
2: Right. And the big contrast is that, again, in, in human development, you know, the baby is inside the mom until it's born. But with fish, as soon as they lay the egg, that's it. There's not right. going to be a connection most likely between the fish and the egg. Right, exactly. Um does, you know, does, the, does the, the fish pass anything to the eggs? I mean, does it nudge them with its mouth? Does it appear to um provide any nutri you know, does it try to mouthfeed? And maybe some of that material goes into the egg? Yeah, I don't know. I mean maybe it's a crazy thing to say, but
0: No, it's a good question. I mean, there is kind of a the the transfer I guess for our purposes, what's important is, you know, how long transferring the microbiome in some way, right? Like is, is, is she conveying either you know, microbes or like you're saying nutrients to the offspring? It is kind of a similar setup as it is in mammals because the this isn't my research, but other research has found that that a lot of that transfer of the microbes happens from mom. So you know, as the egg is laid, that egg is coated. In in microbes from mom, mom is still swimming around in the water with the eggs. So you know that water presumably has its own microbial community
2: that the eggs are exposed to. And what about inside the egg? Has is, is anyone aspirated some material to look for microbes that live inside the egg during development?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. It's again not my research, but my understanding is that inside the egg is thought to be almost entirely sterile. So the fish don't get exposed to those microbes until they hatch. So there's like a couple days where that's, you know, kind of equivalent to a human, right? The human doesn't get exposed to microbes until it's born, where it's in that sterile environment and then it hatches and it starts to be exposed to microbes and get colonized by those microbes, at which point they can be, you know, influencing its development. There are other ways that those, you know, microbes can influence development, you know, via long, you know, aside from that, but that's what the primary effect we're looking at in this, in this work.
2: Okay, so what what was uh, figured out? Anything or just this is just all hypothesis and was any data able to be uh, gathered or, or what happened?
0: Yeah, so we found that, do you mean in regards to, you know, how those microbes influence brain development?
2: Yeah, what kind of microbes were there? You know. Oh, yeah. So species, is there point. strains, what, what was observed? Did it correlate yeah. with the mother's microbiome? Yeah, that's,
0: we didn't directly address that. There was a small part of the study that, I can, that kind of addresses that. So, you know, the problem is that the initial manipulation that we did, that I was talking about, where we, we took away all the microbes and we looked to see what happens in the brain, right? That's kind of the fundamental question. You know, what is is the microbiome as a whole required for certain things in brain development? But that germ, you know, a germ-free animal doesn't exist out in nature. There's no, you know, germ-free kid running around or there's no germ-free fish swimming around in a stream. So it's kind of an artificial manipulation. But it's useful for telling us what are the general features of development that are required for which all micro, you know, the whole microbiota is required. We then took those germ-free fish and we added back a select few species from or strains, you know, from the whole community to see if they could kind of restore the deficits in those germ-free fish. And the, it looks like so far, all of the strains that we have tried do restore. Do mostly restore the features of brain development that we were looking at. We haven't done a ton of work in that area.
2: Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives in our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Or that the uh, you know the zebra fish themselves were truly sterile, and other bacteria didn't take up residence temporarily once yeah. you clean them out of their existing microbiomes.
0: That's a good question. We um we have a pretty thorough protocol that that the larger group you know beyond just our lab, um, a lot of different labs have worked for years on de- kind of developing a, a method for not only making those fish germ free to start with, but keeping them in a sterile environment for a while. Um, so we use a variety of monitoring techniques to 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 hopefully detect any bacteria that that show up after the fact and kind of control the ones that we're adding back as well.
2: Okay. One thing. So like... again, what, what what was seen? Did the eggs develop differently? I mean, yeah. a, um, be- before they they were laid, the zebra fish were made supposedly germ free. But did yeah. you do before and after?
0: Yeah, that that happens right after they're laid. We can. It's very easy to to. Um, what
2: about before they're laid? Did you try any of that and then compare the eggs and the development and all that and the hatch rate?
0: I'm, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. So like, uh, so before before they're laid, they're in mom. Um,
2: right, but did you did, did anyone try to, I don't know if you can give antibiotics to zebrafish oh. or how you'd make them germ-free, but were any done before they laid or were some done after they laid just to see if there's a difference? Yeah,
0: no, I understand what you mean. That's an experiment that's actually pretty hard to do in fish.
2: It's yeah. It's been done...
0: A little bit in mice. So, that kind of, those experiments typically are aimed addressing, kind of, or separating what are the effects of mom's microbiome versus the effect of the uh, offspring's microbiome. We didn't, our study was entirely focused on the offspring. But that work like that is being done in mice.
2: Okay. So, what what was observed? What was noticed in this?
0: so previous work in our lab had um, identified this population of cells in the in a part of the zebrafish brain that we already knew were important for social behavior. So when we make the fish germ-free, they don't do social behavior right. And we had this this population of cells that we knew were important for social behavior, so we looked at those in the germ-free fish. and one of our first findings was that those cells don't those neurons, they don't appear to wire up. The way they normally do when the microbes aren't there. So, you know, in kind of fundamental neuroscience, the idea is that, you know, how cells, how neurons wire up with each other determines how the whole circuit works and, and enables the behavior to happen.
2: So maybe I didn't uh, care properly. So this is, so the fish were sterilized after they had laid the eggs, but it's somehow affected the eggs were. Yeah, my the- clear, I apologize.
0: Yeah, it's just a generational thing. So the eggs were sterile; were were made germ-free, but we've removed mom from the equation.
2: So, all oh, how did you make the uh, the eggs germ-free? Yeah, what was the protocol?
0: It's kind of a complex protocol, but it basically just involves using chemicals like bleach and iodine to kind of sterilize the surface of the egg, because, like I was saying, they're sterile inside there. So we kill the bacteria that are there with things like bleach and iodine, and then also. Through a lot of dilution, remove them while they're still in the egg, and then we can keep them in a sterile
2: environment. Okay, so you sterilize the outside of the egg, and then what, so in the act of hatching, do the eggs take on what would normally be on the outside coating of the egg as their microbiome, and yeah. then also the ambient, you know, water around them? Yep, exactly. And so if the microbes aren't there, then those fish won't get colonized. So what's the difference between the microbes that are associated with the egg surface versus in the free water around them? Have Uh they been characterized and are they different?
0: Yeah, that's a fascinating question that is being worked on by a number of laboratories. And I don't think, I think my understanding of of where we're at on that is that it's obvious there is a difference, but it hasn't been fully characterized. an active area of research.
2: Any guess as to the role of the microbes on the egg surface? Are they Trading nutrients with, uh, let's say, microbes in the in the water around them, and if so, is it are they do they build up or change the nature of the you know the outer membrane of the egg?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't, again, I don't think that's really understood. You know, I'm not a microbiologist by okay. training, but my understanding is that you know it's all about kind of micro environments and that. Bacteria will be specialized for those particular microenvironments, and that then affects how they get into the host, right? So those bacteria have evolved with that host for eons, right? So they're very suited to live in those particular environments, including inside the host.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Um, So at what point uh, were they chemically sanitized the eggs? Like, How long is their development in the egg, and what day was it done? Like right away or at the end, or was there any variation in that?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So that's done right away, like literally within a few hours of when they're laid. They then develop inside their eggs for three to four days before they hatch. And then their brain is developing all throughout that period you know, from you know, day three days onward. Well, from a few days onward. And then by the time they're a couple weeks old, they start to be social.
2: Okay. And how long is this gestation period that they're in the egg until they hatch? About three to four days. Okay. All right. Um again, was there any experimentation where it was done on the third day or the fourth day? Or was it all just done on the first day and it was enough to experiment on too many yeah. variables otherwise?
0: Yeah, but, but it's a really good question. Um the short answer is too many variables otherwise, but it in further experiments, we'd really like to know if there is kind of a um an earlier critical period. Like does it matter if you have if you're missing the microbes, you know, only at day three? or at day four, or at day five? You know, what's kind of that specific period within that early window that those microbes are required? And uh, we haven't done those experiments yet.
2: Um, Yeah. So their fish looked normal, phenotypically normal. It was just their social behavior that was altered, but in every other way that you guys looked at them, they, they appeared to be healthy. You couldn't tell that there was anything going on with them. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, that's right. So they, all the measures that we looked at, they're they're phenotypically normal, so they swim around. They're not smaller than their than their siblings. They um, they appear to be able to see just fine. It's just that their social behavior is altered.
2: Okay, so when you say social behavior is altered, what did you observe? Did the yeah. did the behavior aberrations happen right when they were spawned or hatched, or did it did it uh, get worse later on? Like, what what did you observe?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So they. Typically, the fish don't start to exhibit any social behavior until around 12 or 14 days. So uh, a few weeks of life. And so we measured the social behavior at that age. And what they normally do is they'll, they'll, they prefer to, if you take two fish and you separate them, except for a transparent divider, they prefer to be really close to each other. And they'll actually swim along the divider we think maybe trying to get a you know good look at the friend and and generally spend a lot of time close to that other fish, and um, that's the type of behavior that was altered when they're raised without their microbiota is that they no longer seem to care, they no longer spent much time close to the other fish.
2: Interesting. Um, has anyone looked at the microbiome variations across different zebrafish? That you know it'll be interesting if you looked at. Um... The microbiomes of uh, fish that hadn't associated yet and then let them associate for, I don't know, an hour or something like that or a day in a tank and then look at their microbiomes and see if they're influencing each other's microbiomes or what, what kind of uh, resources or things may be traded that go along with uh, the social behavior. Why, why is the microbiome seem to be driving this social behavior? Yeah. What benefit does it get, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. There's there are a number of labs who are looking into that. Our focus was more on the host side of things, so you know what 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 features of the host are the microbes influencing? But it's an excellent question and a really active area of research. Uh, looking into why does that matter for the microbes? Right? Um, you could it's you could hypothesize that you know promoting social behavior would be really great for for bacteria, right? Because it could help them um, spread from fish to fish and things like that. That's definitely a hot area of research.
2: Yeah, if they had the same microbiome or similar, then that wouldn't maybe make sense. But if it was different, and the action, the social interactions allowed the the differing microbiomes to, let's say, average out to be healthier or to interact and trade molecules that were somehow important to the fish. Yeah, you know, I guess a lot of questions surrounding it. Hmm. Yeah. What happened over time to the antisocial fish did they, did they live as long? Did they just never mate? like what, what happens to them? Yeah, that's a
0: good question. They still appear to be rel- you know, normal in a lot of other effects. We didn't follow them for their whole lives, for example. That wasn't the, f- the focus of the research, but it, you know they certainly maintain relatively normal health through, for, as far, for as long as we observe them
2: were males and females affected differently? Did females end up laying eggs or were they just not made at all? I mean, what other things jump yeah. out at you from their behavior?
0: Yeah, we didn't look at that. We we focused a lot, again, on kind of what's happening inside the brain. Um, one big question we wanted to ask is, you know, like I said, we we found that these neurons in their brain that are really important for social behavior, those neurons weren't wiring properly. Well, you know, the brain is is in the head, you know, the microbes are, they're all over the fish, but largely in the gut, you know, on the skin. So how did, how are those separate pieces communicated in the gut telling the brain what to do? And our experiments, it looks like a lot of that has to do with the brain's immune system, that the microbes are kind of influencing special immune cells that are then talking to those neurons as they develop. And then influencing the social behavior.
2: Hmm. Okay. So what do you think will be some of the implications of the research? What where what's its goal and where is it going?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, the goal, the big goal of the research was is to, you know, to to shed light, like I said, on, on how these things work mechanistically, right? How this communication happens. And so our hope is that if we learn more and more details, you know, like what we've discovered. About how exactly microbes are are influencing development, then that gives us all sorts of new areas, both in the microbes and in the host that could be targeted by uh, new therapeutics so it's understood now that microbes microbes are implicated in in a you know a lot of different disorders, including many brain disorders and so if we come up with more clues as to how, how that works, then a lot of these potential treatments could, you know, they could be really broadly effective across many different disorders that have so far been really hard to address.
2: Well, what would be a treatment? Like What would you do is uh, certain people maybe that have risk factors would, I don't know, undergo some sort of uh, microbial change, maybe given antibiotics or some other protocol yeah. that would then hopefully change the... Uh, their off- offspring's ability to live properly and socialize.
0: Yeah, that's the idea. You know, we're a long ways off still from from making those actual treatments, but I think the hope is that we could get away from things that that are that are more of a sledgehammer to to kind of more, um, you know, fine tuning those interactions between the microbe and the host. For example, there's been some interesting work, some interesting clinical trials with children children with autism spectrum disorder, where they the intervention that the clinicians are doing is called a, a fecal microbiota transplant. Mm. Mm. Which you may have heard of, and essentially yep. that just involves giving someone transplanting the microbiome. So giving them the microbiome of a healthy person. But like I said, that's kind of a sledgehammer, right? You're 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 changing their whole microbiome. And those Studies have been promising, but limited. And so our hope is that if we understand more about how the actual interactions work, instead of changing the whole microbiome, we could kind of you know, pull the levers and, and twist the knobs a lot more gently to tune those interactions, the host and its microbes. Okay.
2: Well, very good. Um, what's the best place for people to learn more about uh, the research? I know you've, you've moved on. But uh, for people listening, how can they find out more about what the lab's still doing, and uh, you know other ancillary topics in this area?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say through the the University of Oregon's website, the this work was done in part as as part of a larger group at the University of Oregon called the the Meta Center. So it's the microbial I might get this from, micro, microbial ecology and theory of animals. I think, but double check me on that. Uh, the the meta center hosts a lot of the host microbe interaction research at the University of Oregon, and there's a lot of fascinating research being done in that group. So I would definitely encourage people to to check out the the uh, meta center's website, and which will have links to the individual research groups and, and their and their research.
2: Okay, well, very good. Joseph, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's rare when people are not directly working in their area at that moment that they interview them. Uh, you're one of the few that's brave enough to be willing to talk about it. So I really appreciate you doing this, by the way. Absolutely. I think it's,
0: you know, I have really I really enjoy doing the work, and I think it's a fat, fascinating field and, and really important work. So I'm always happy to talk about it. Excellent.
1: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.